Blog Talk Radio. Jim Newsom, and this is Truth in the Word on Christian Survival Radio, 17th day of May 2018. It's 8 a.m. on the East Coast of the United States. Sorry, We're broadcasting to you today from North Central West Virginia. Before we get into the Word of God, let's go to prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to expound your Word. Your Word, which you said, will not come back void, but will do that which you sent it to do. Let this entire session, Lord, be yours. Do what needs to be done. You see the needs of every individual, of every person. Lord, we we live in a nation and a world where people need hope. And we ask you today that through your gospel, through your word, that you would interject hope in people's lives, that you would turn them from where they are right now, Father, that, that your glorious light would shine in the darkness in their lives. We just ask you, Lord, that we be all consumed by you, you said, not by power, not by might, but by your spirit, saith the Lord. And we ask you today that your spirit take precedence. And we lift up the name of Jesus Christ, that all men might be drawn unto him in these last days. Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> the example of Paul speaking concerning that whom he wants to know. That whom he wants to know. We study the life of this great apostle. We know that he was turned in a moment of time on the road to Damascus. The Bible declares he was struck down by the light of the Lord. This man who was a religious uh, uh, zeal, he, he had great zeal for religion, for tradition, for for organized religion but we know that his life was changed in an instant when he met the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we know today that if we expect change in our lives that has to come through him and what he did at the cross 2,000 years ago he is the change factor he is the one that put in motion change was in your life he has come the Bible says to destroy the works of the devil and look around, you can see that he is working. He is doing his quote-unquote job for a season and a time through the sovereign mind of an almighty God. He allows this entity to work. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that he is the God of this world, and he, had blinded, he has blinded the minds of the people. Wherefore, the scriptures declares that when he blinds the minds, that they will believe a lie, and they will be damned. That's the scripture. 
a world controlled and motivated by this entity, this power, the power of darkness. The head of these powers is him known as Satan, the resistor, the accuser of the brethren. But we read about his demise in the, in the Bible. We read that, that at the end of this age that God deals with him abruptly. But for now he is, just simply put, the agent of evil. And if you live on this people planet, you will see there's much evil in this land and across the entirety of the world. Years ago, when I used to go to the, to the revivals in the Baptist church, they sang the song, In times like these, you need a anchor. In times like these, you need a Savior. And this anchor holds and it grips the solid rock, and that Savior is none other. And Jesus Christ. The Bible declares that hope in him is an anchor for the soul. And we live in a generation. A generation travailing. Under, as the Bible declares, increased evil. Frequency of, the Bible declares that men will wax worse and worse. That they will deceive and they will be deceived. The Bible declares that God said, I put a watchman on the wall to sound the alarm, to sound the trumpet. The book of Luke says, as you see these day approach, or you see these things coming to pass, look up for your redemption, draweth nigh. So Paul was speaking, writing to the church at Philippi, and in chapter 3, he begins, says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. To me it is not a heavy burden. He was committed <clears throat> to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He opened a lot of his, his epistles by the salutation and stating, I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm a willing bond servant, a chosen servant, and I choose to serve Jesus Christ. He says, I counted all but loss. Hmm. We're going to talk about that. That you'll never see him more set aside. If you want to use the word sanctify, we can. A more sanctified, set apart, set aside Man of God, completely, completely, completely in dedication to the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only agent by which man can be saved. The only hope for mankind in this present and evil age is Jesus Christ. He, once again, must be heralded from our pulpits. He must once again be, 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 be lifted up that all men might be drawn under. He once again might be preached and preached crucified and preached resurrected and preached ascended and preached that soon he will descend in like manner, Bible declares. I believe it's the body of Christ's responsibility to interject hope to those that have no hope, to 
interject and introduce light to those that have no light. The Bible declares that we are to walk in the light as we have it. Not to ignore it, not to push it aside, not to choose parts of it, but in the fullness thereof. He said, it's not grievous for me to write unto you. He said, it is for your safety, for your well-being, for your security, that I might, the Bible declares, he says in the book of Romans, to impart some good spiritual gift unto you. Paul believed that all things work to good. Romans 8.28, for those that love the Lord and are called according <clears throat> to his purpose. He says in verse 2, he says, beware. Jesus said, beware. The prophets of old said, beware. Take heed. Something up. Something around you that doesn't like your relationship with Jesus Christ. Something that specifically says, be sober, be vigilant, Peter wrote, that your adversary, the devil, goes about seeking whom he may destroy, whom he may destroy and whom he may devour. That's just a fact. There are those today that, of course, say you know, the devil doesn't exist. Well, according to Scripture, he does. Let every man be a liar, but let God be the truth. He says, beware of dogs or seducers. In this particular instance, it means those that have contempt for the cross of Jesus Christ. Those who went back to being Judaizers, who mixed the two, that said, well, you can be saved through Jesus Christ, but yet you have to be circumcised. You have to do the temple rituals. You have to do all this and all that. But Jesus, uh, Paul said, it's nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. By grace are we saved. Not by works that any man should boast. A half-truth, sometimes more dangerous than a whole lie. Because there's a particle of truth in it. But the Bible says we must rightly divide that which we read. In other words, we we will we will uh, quote a verse, but we don't read the verse above it, and we don't read the verse below it. We the scriptures today are every day being taken out of context, and the Bible declares that the word of God is not for any private interpretation. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers or evil teachers. Paul told Timothy in the last days shall be peerless times, fierce times, that there will come in those in the last days mockers, enemies of the cross, deceivers, evil teachers. Men will wax worse and worse. So we guard against these things by a discernment in the spirit. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. The concision means the mutilation of the flesh. Here it could mean those who put their trust in circumcision or those who practice religious mutilation or cutting, as was pointed out when Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal. And they cut themselves to get their 
quote unquote God to move, which he never did, by the way, because he doesn't exist. He's a figmentation of people's imagination. In verse 3, he says, For we are the circumcision. We are the Jews, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. That's a loaded verse. We are the circumcision, which worship God in spirit, for God is a spirit. Now, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You've got to believe that God is, and he is a rewarder of those that seek him with diligence. So Paul says, back to verse 1 a second, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Not in religious connotations or religious hierarchies or religious organizations. In Romans 12, 12, Paul wrote, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, being in season out of season. He wrote in 2 Timothy 4, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, pray without ceasing, the Bible declares unto us. But verse 3 says, for we are the circumcision. Galatians 6.15 says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. Doesn't matter. There was a big council over that in in the first century church. The Judaizers, and Peter himself, I believe, you know, believed for a second that, uh, that even though people got saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, they had to be circumcised. They had to follow some religious format. Paul wrote, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. doesn't matter. But in him, he says, we are a new creature. Behold, I make all things new. Romans 8, 4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Familiar scriptures. But we have this tendency to go back to works. We have this tendency to try to earn. We are saved by grace. I know, I, I, I know, what, I know what James says. I know what he says. That without Works, faith is dead. I understand that. But when we have faith in there, there will be actions, but those actions don't save us. It's still the faith we have in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Faith in Him. The battle is for our faith. The devil wants to destroy your faith. And one of the greatest weapons he uses, my friend, is religion. Religion. Zealous religion. Tradition is killing the, especially the American church. We're worried so much about what's written on the cornerstone of our churches, and we are ignoring the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, the rock that was made without hands. Doesn't matter what man, and, and I do, with all due respect to things that's going on, doesn't matter what, what man is written on a cornerstone, even on a pew. 
or even on a, 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 a plaque of memorial. And these things are good, but men cannot save us. Flesh and blood cannot do this. Look under the author and finish your faith. Look to the cornerstone. Cornerstone is the most important part of a structure. It's off that cornerstone that everything else is built. If the cornerstone's right, then the old building, the whole building is right. We'll start in the middle, start with the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Upon him we build everything. Romans 8 1 says, Therefore there's no now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See the separation there? That we can't please God with flesh and blood? That we must go by his plan and his plan is Jesus Christ and him crucified? The redemptive work of Jesus Christ is the only thing that saves men. It's not religion or church. And we must, he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But the Bible declares it is a divine institution. The Bible declares in the wedding vow that we say this mystical relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. He founded the church through his crucifixion, through his resurrection. And the gates of hell will not prevail. It's not a building. It is a divine institution. It's not man-made laws and constitutions and bylaws. But it's the law that's written upon the table of our hearts. He said, I shall write my law. And his law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He came not to destroy but to fulfill, he was the only one that kept the law to the T. Every T was crossed, every I was dotted. Every period at the end, ever since he kept the law in totality, became a living sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin, that me and you today might be saved. Verse four, he says, "Though I might also have confidence in the flesh." If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. He said, I once did, I once moved, and was motivated by the flesh. I was motivated by law. He thought he was doing God a service, a service when he was persecuting the newborn church who preached the name of Jesus Christ. He said, I lived in the flesh. I lived through through titles, through names through hierarchies of religion. We'll find out he says, I was a Jew of the Jews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Verse 5, let's go there. Circumcised the eighth day under Jewish law of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law a Pharisee, rooted deep in religious tradition, blinded even by religious tradition, a zeal to go about and destroy and to kill and put down what he called a, a wrong movement in the name of Jesus Christ. 
He says concerning zeal in verse 6. Persecuting the church. That's what he did in the flesh now. Touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. Acts 22, verses 2 and 5 says, 2 through 5 says this, and when they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, talk about Paul, they kept the silence, the more silence, and he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew born in Tarsus, of a city in Silica, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, the great rabbi, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous towards God as ye are all this day. And I persecuted the way. That's what they called the Christian movement when it was first birthed. They called it the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I persecuted this way unto, unto the death. He held, listen, he held the coats of those that stunned Stephen. He had people put to death. I don't know if he, he actually did it, but he had it done. Binding and delivering unto prisons both men and women pulled them out of their houses zealous as also the high priest of bear me witness and all the estate of the elders from whom I also received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were bound unto Jerusalem for to be punished well, that trip he never made it there well he did he was blinded. His life was changed forever. His heart was changed. And Jesus Christ called him to write most of the New Testament. Probably the greatest apostle that ever lived is the Apostle Paul. And he was changed from looking at black and white law to looking at grace and mercy and goodness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now listen, grace does not give us a license to sin. The Bible says, may we sin that grace may abound. God forbid. God still hates sin. And the victory over sin is through the blood of Jesus Christ and his finished work. Not through us. We're no match for it. We're no match for the powers of darkness. We're no match for Satan. Behold, he says, I give you power. Not that you've conjured up yourself. I give you power over all power. That a greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Verse 7 says, But what things were gained to me, in other words, what direction I was going, what I thought I was going to be, probably on the way to the hierarchy, probably the head of the Pharisees, probably was in high office at that time, probably taking Gamaliel's place. He said, those I counted loss for Christ. He just gave it all up. His experience was such as nothing mattered to him anymore except gaining Christ. Man, that's something. I mean, can, can we look at ourselves today and can we say that nothing matters? In our lives, our priority, not, not that we can't, the Bible says occupy, occupy, it's a military term, occupy until we come. We can't sit in a cave or sit in a room in a dark room and wait for Jesus Christ to come back. We must occupy, we must be out there doing what we need to do. 
Bible says we've got to work and we've got to do this and we've got to do that. Uh, Solomon said there's a time and a season for all things, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to cry, a time, a season for all things. We've got to live, we got to live this life. Yet our priority, who sits on the throne of our heart, who leads us and guides us every day in our lives, who do we look unto when we need help, who, whose name do we call on in time of need? So much sadness today. So much sadness. Young people dying. People dying, period. Families destroyed, tore up. By God help us. And people need Jesus Christ. They don't necessarily need another preacher. They need one that's going to preach the word. They need one that's going to be instant in season and out of season. They need one that's going to be completely obedient under the spirit of God. The church, once again, needs to be motivated and led by the Holy Ghost. Not by programs and men's words and men's writings or men's opinions. But preaching the word again, once again. The word of God, once again. With power, with authority. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I accounted loss for Christ. Verse 8 says, yea, doubtless, listen, I count all things but loss for the excellency of of the knowledge, pardon me, of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but dung, we know what that is, that I may win Christ. Now, he was, one day he was in the hierarchy of the move of the Pharisees, Next day, or a few days later, they was letting him down over the wall in a basket to keep him being stoned by these same people he was involved with. He said, I lost it all, but yet I gain through Christ. Philippians 2, 3 says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. See, Paul not so much focused on the move of the Pharisees. Now he was focused on this man who spoke to him on the road and said, Paul, Paul, why does thou persecute me? Hmm. Verse nine says, listen, he counts it all, but Lord, verse nine says, and be found. He said, I lost everything and be found in him. Wow. This is something hmm. not having my own righteousness. Bible declares our righteousness is but filthy rags, which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Galatians 2.21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Read that again. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Verse 10. That I may know him. (laughs) That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his 
death. That says a lot. But I know him. Now to know him is to put yourself out there. To know him is to have complete faith. And to know him is to trust him for every facet and phase of your life. That our footsteps are ordered of the Lord. The psalmist David said that my times are in your hands. I may know him in the power of his resurrection. That's something right there. The Bible says the same spirit, the same Holy Spirit, that quickening spirit, that resurrected Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that dwells in the believers in Christ. And the fellowship, and we don't like we don't like this part, of his suffering. Now I don't look for sufferings. I'm not gonna pray for sufferings. And you don't have to. <laughs> They're gonna come. But the Bible declares that Jesus Christ was a man of sorrow. He was a man of anguish. In the modern church, we don't talk about that. In the modern church, everything is happy-go-lucky. If you're not smiling, you're backslid. If you're not always rejoicing on the mountaintop and something's wrong in your spiritual life, you've got something going on that's not right. Okay. You're not claiming or blabbing or grabbing. Hmm. But the fact is that sometimes that life's not a bowl of cherries. In this world, you will have tribulation. But here's the kicker, but be of good cheer. Even in tribulation, we rejoice, the Bible says. Think it not strange, Peter said, of the fire trials which try us. James said, rejoice when you are tempted with divers' temptations. These things are coming. Jesus said, in this life, in this world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. That, that doesn't mean that we uh, shrink down. But we rejoice. And we look under the author and the finisher of our faith. And the fellowship, he said, of his suffering. Being made conformable unto his death. <laughs> now that means he died. But when we're conformable, that means we'll also be resurrected. First Corinthians chapter 15, study that chapter. There's a resurrection coming of the saints of God. Those that are dead in Christ will not remain dead in Christ. When the trump of God sounds, the Bible declares that they are the first to be resurrected from the grave, and those that are alive will follow them and be with Christ forevermore. Comfort ye one another with these words. Conformable. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. No, this world holds nothing. No, this world is, is not, it, it is a temporary place. Nothing permanent about this place. The Word of God declares that our life is but a fading leaf of grass, like a grain of sand, like a wave tossed in the ocean, here today and gone tomorrow, like a vapor. I can remember my grandmother years ago sitting on the porch and saying, you're going to find out that as you, as you get older, that life is but a dream. It passes by that fast. 
One day you're young, the next day you're old and older, and time stops for no man. But God's not confined to time. He doesn't. He he, he controls time. He certainly don't live in it. He's outside of controlling it. He's infinite. He's not controlled. He is the eternal being, eternal God, knowing the beginning from the ending. Me being made conformable unto his death, that I may know him. Read the scripture again. I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. <laughs> That's powerful. Being made conformable unto his death. Verse 11 says, If by any means I might attain unto you, unto the resurrection of the dead. Second Corinthians 1, 5 through 7 this is what Paul wrote there. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, with, which is effectual in the adoring of the same sufferings which we also suffer, or whether we be confronted, comforted, it is for your consolation and your salvation. It's all common. Bible declares that men of old were had we, they were of like passions, suffered like things. We have that in common. We're human. It says in verse seven, Second Corinthians chapter one, and our hope, and our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye also be of the consolation, consoled, comforted. For I will send you one back who will lead you and guide you into all truth and all righteousness, which is the Holy Ghost. And he shall comfort you when you need comfort. I know this. I know he does that. I've experienced that in my life through times of sorrow and heartache. He's the comforter. He said, I'll never leave you. He, he's just not speaking in tongues and, and the gifts. Yes, they, 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 all, they are in operation today. But he is, he is the personal comforter of everyone that's hurting today. He'll come around and about you and comfort you in your presence. All fear is gone. In your presence is where I belong. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Second Corinthians 4, 7 through 12 said, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and the excellency of the power of May be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side. Listen, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. <laughs> He's died out to himself. The term, as I said before, bond servant, completely sold out. A voluntary servant of Jesus Christ. The only thing that mattered to Paul was the gospel. The only thing that mattered to this man was that the gospel be preached. He says, with power, it must be preached. That with signs and with wonders, with power and demonstration, signs and wonders will follow those that will believe. So Paul says, I got to know him. 
as you see these days come upon us. The Bible says, draw nigh unto the Lord, he'll draw nigh unto you. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's very necessary that our personal relationship with Jesus Christ grows. That our personal communion, relationship, intimate relationship with Christ, that I might know him. And sometimes in order to get to know him, things in our lives happen. There, sometimes there must be abrupt changes. And I don't like it either. I hate change. But as, as Paul's life was interrupted, what would happen to the man if it wasn't? What would happen to Paul if his life wasn't interrupted? And Jesus Christ will see you through the shock of it, okay? Because sometimes when our lives are interrupted, sometimes when things change, it turns us upside down. We don't know what direction to go. We lose our bearings. Our spiritual compass come, becomes out of whack. <laughs> well, magnetic north is no longer magnetic north. But in Christ, he'll bring it all around. All things work to good for those that love him. is called according to his purpose. That, that the footsteps of a righteous man or woman or boy or girl is ordered of the Lord. Can you say that today? I may know that I might know him. Can you can you get before him in your prayer closet and say, at all costs, Lord, I count it all but lost. He said, I count it but dung. I don't explain what dung is. That I may win Christ. Nothing in the flesh. Perfect submission, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory, find glory, glory I find. Give yourself as a living sacrifice, which is holding and before God, which is your reasonable service. The only thing we can do is submit, is surrender, is to get down and he'll help us back up. Humble yourself before God, and in due time, the Bible declares you will be exalted. Because it's all in him. It's all about him. He is the only salvation for man. He is the only way, the only path, the only road. It's narrow. It's binding sometimes. It's not always comfortable, but it's the way. And it's the truth. And it's the life. And we need him today. If you don't know him, if you want to know him, if you do know him and want to know him in a greater measure, call upon the name of the Lord. If you have never known him, you want to know him today, the Bible says confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God Almighty raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Repent of your sins. That means make a conscious decision to turn around. And you call upon his name, you shall be delivered. I often say, if you're seeking God, Make sure you have that assurance before you get up. Before you go on, make sure that there's a blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory to find. If you call upon his name today, if the desire of your heart is to know him, he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. That's what the word says. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Lord, for this man named Paul who is our example, per se. The Lord, his desire was to be driven by your spirit, was to get closer to you, that he might know you in a greater measure. Lord, let that be our desire. To put a hunger 
that thirst in our lives, Father. Let all this world and its priorities and its frills and thrills and all that much, let it go by the wayside, Lord. It doesn't mean nothing because it's fading. It's temporal. It will pass. You said heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will never, ever pass away. And Lord, I don't know who's listening to this, and I ask you today to touch them in their lives. I ask you if they don't know you to call on your name today. They find a Bible-believing church, God, where they can be fed by the word of God. Lord, critical situations and circumstances, those that are pressured in their mind today, I ask you, Lord, that you release them in the name of Jesus. You said you sent your word and you healed them. The anointing, Lord, can cover ground. There's no distance in, uh, that can be shortened in prayer. Lord, that, that prayer can cover cover a multitude of sin. That intercession, God, can change lives. We ask you today to change the lives of the people. That which those that's running into a stone wall, a brick wall, and they, they see no way out. I ask you today, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you give them away. As you shine the light on this apostle, God, you shine the light on their lives and make an abrupt change in their life. In Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, name above all names. Those that are sick today, God, by your, your stripes are healed. Those that are fighting their mind today, that you was chastised for our peace of mind. Lord, the battles are immense. The battles are complex. You know they are, God. You know exactly where we're living. You said you're touched with our infirmities, and I ask you today to touch the people in every need and every situation. Touch every pastor, every leader. Touch every church. God, let the fire of God once again fall in the house of God like it, like it never has before. Let men take a back seat and let God take the forefront. Let Jesus Christ be lifted up that all men might be drawn unto him in these last days. Because flesh and blood cannot do this. But it must be by your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' holy and righteous name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless till next time. This has been Truth in the Word with Pastor Jim Newsom on Christian Survival Radio. Our email address is truthintheword777 at gmail.com. May God bless each and every one of you. Keep looking up for Jesus is coming soon.